So good business transformation will improve both customer experience and operational efficiency. And in the process, you'll probably uncover some new business models, uh, which in banking is a huge, uh, huge opportunity. And at the same time, uh, I think we'll improve the employee experience as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm actually joined with a great friend of ANZ and somebody we've been working with for a little while, Peter Weil, uh, from the Sloan School of Management. So, Peter, why don't we just kick off? We're all very familiar with the fact there's a lot of, you know, startups in digital, right? You know, the whole fintech, reg tech, legal tech, everything's in that area. But, of course, to that point, you know, your, your customers, if you will, your members, the, the people like ANZ, Every single big company, almost irrespective of industry that I speak to, our customers, everybody is talking about, you know, digital transformation. Why? Why is everybody talking about it and what are they actually really sort of doing? Yeah, there's just one word really, upside. Uh, There's so much upside, uh, but like everything with a lot of upside, there's a lot of things you have to change. Uh, So I think about um, this whole issue as business transformation. Uh, with technology as the tool or one of the tools. Uh, It turns out it's only a part of it, of course. Uh, But it feels like technology transformation because of something we call SMACIT, which is uh, social mobile analytics cloud on the internet of things. And it's a great onomatopoeic name because it feels like we've just been smacked by it. Add to that a real increase in customer expectations to make things easy, to meet more of their needs, to be more integrated, to be more secure, to be more stitched up and add COVID to that. And we've proven how we can move a whole company online and get better results. So this transformation, digital transformation, is just starting on its hockey stick. It's really going to be exciting over the next three or four years, maybe 10. It's really interesting when you talk about the fact it's a, bu- a business transformation because I think a lot of people, um, when they think about, when we talk about these words, you know, digital, this, that, and the other, they inevitably fall into, oh, it's about a new app or something, right? It's some, it's some feature that you have, some new, oh, if only we could, you know, in our case, of, oh, if only I could apply and get a home loan on an app, well, there you go, I've, I've done the digital thing. But it's more than that, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's such a great point. Uh, and that's why I keep hammering the idea that it's business transformation. Uh, we get seduced by the shiny bauble often, you know, the new AI tool, the new app. But what, in my view, it's really about is achieving a, gradually achieving a step change in performance and on really sort of two dimensions, the customer experience and operational efficiency. So good business transformation will improve both customer experience and operational efficiency. And in the process, you'll probably uncover some new business models, uh, which in banking is a huge, uh, huge opportunity. And at the same time, I think we'll improve the employee experience as well. So four pieces, the two fundamentals are customer experience and operational efficiency. With that will come some new business models, things like um, an ecosystem for home ownership or small business or um, international trade, very topical right now. Uh, And so I I think we will see step changes in all four of those things, but it'll be over time. Now, what's interesting about this, of course, you know, not just, you know, almost independent of industry, there's not one way of doing this. There's not like a manual that says, oh, if you want to do the trick, you do these things and this is the way to do it. 
Um, but there is some, there is a sort of a structured way of thinking about possible paths. And, and you know, you've worked with us on what some of those paths are. Do you just want to sort of talk through that 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 framework and you know the sort of highlights of that those the various choices that companies have? Sure. And, and it's such an important conversation. If you ask me what's the biggest predictor of success in this business transformation, it's actually having a common language and a common goal amongst the senior team and then throughout the whole set of stakeholders, you know, customers, employees, partners. And so to do that, you have to have a framework. There's no detailed playbook yet. You know, there's nothing, you know, we know how to implement quality. We know how to implement other uh, changes that have occurred, but this is still emerging. And I would say one of the most influential pieces of research we've done at MIT CISA has been what we call the four pathways to transformation. And uh, we've published that and we've used it with you and a number of other organizations. So just let me give you a minute on it to give it uh, sort of paint the picture. It's back to those two dimensions. The, the vertical dimension is customer experience and the horizontal dimension is operational efficiency. So think of it as two axes. And uh, the goal is to uh, get to the top right. And we call that area future ready, you know, being ready for whatever the future brings. Most large firms are in the bottom left and we call that silos and spaghetti. And there's really four ways out of that. And they're all effective, uh, but you have to choose them because if you don't, you get multiple efforts that intersect and don't support each other. So one way is to go what we call the industrialization route, which is to the right. It's like a hockey stick. And that's about finding the one best way to do things, getting uh, great data, um, making APIs for you and other organizations to use in innovation. So generally improving the operations and taking what you do best, we call that your crown jewels, and making it available. So that's the first. The second is to move up and then to the right. And that's all about dramatically improving the customer experience. And that's very exciting. You're offering customers new uh, ways to meet their needs and you do that over time and improve the customer experience and then you move right to industrialize. Another way that's quite common is to do a bit of both and we call that the stair steps up the middle uh, and so that's small chunks, six months, 12 months, vertical improving customer experience then horizontal operational efficiency and then the fourth is to say ah Shane, it's too hard. I'm going to give up. We, we, we can't transform in time. So we're going to create something new, uh, either within the business or externally, that offers um, uh, a better experience. And so the car companies have done that. They've said, look, it, we want to continue making beautiful cars, but we also need to be in the mobility business. So we'll create born digital mobility businesses that don't sell cars. And, and we see that in financial services too. So um, thinking through that framework, why is it so hard? Why, why yeah. for a large companies? Like, you know, it sounds simple, doesn't it? Oh, well, you know, we've got a pathway. We just do these, we improve the experience, whatever. Um, yeah. But actually, only very few companies have been successful, certainly at this point, to really claim success. Oh, hey, we have really transformed our company. Yeah. So why is it so hard for large companies? So let's put a fine point on that um, assertion you just made, because I think it's such an important one. Only 23% have got uh, into Future Ready 
and they are just over the crosshairs. You know, they're not in the top of futurity. They're, it's real, we measure it relative to um, competitors. And we have data now from thousands of companies. So only 23% have just made it into futurity. And those companies perform better, significantly better on both profit and growth. So the incentives there. So the question is, why is it so hard? And I've been thinking about this a lot because I've been banging my head against it. Um, I would say there's just one word, uh, inertia. I think that inertia is particularly success. <laughs> uh, inertia born, uh, born by success is a very difficult thing to overcome. And so if you think about it in, the, in, in a large bank or a large energy company, uh, you have legacy processes, you have legacy systems, you have legacy habits, how you work, how you do meetings, you have legacy mindsets. And so one of the things we've learned about digital is that some of the good we keep, but some of the things that are legacy, we have to get rid of. And there's a lot of reasons people don't want to do that. Uh, that's how they became successful. Change is hard and sometimes it fails. So then we say, oh, oh we can't do that. Um, so there are some good uh, lessons learned, and I wanted to share uh, with you, and you and I have chatted about this before, that there are these four, we call them explosions, right? Things you have to blow up to change. Uh, you've got to keep some things, but the explosions are about decision rights. You know, you, you need to change who makes the key decisions if you want to have a different outcome. Uh, it sounds so logical, but, you know, uh, organizations are partly politics and they're partly contests and so they have all of that going on the second is new ways of working um, that's a, a very important part platform mindsets learning from the born digital companies like the ping Arns and the amazons and uh, many others who taught us that platforms are a very efficient way to operate and finally at some point and this is a tough gig for ceos like you you have to do some organizational surgery because the way you're organized isn't ready for that new way of operating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I can uh, relate to all of those issues. <laughs> they're all very, they're all very real. Now, um, if we think about, so large companies, we understand it's hard, but when we think about small, the FinTech, the startup, your classic sort of guys in the garage sort of story, we know what some of their advantages are, right? They're small, they're nimble, they're less regulated, they don't have legacy, you know, they are able to adopt the most current technology thinking, all those other sort of advantages. Uh, what, are the, what, what are the advantages of the incumbents? What are the advantages of the big energy companies, the big, you know, the big logistics companies, the big banks? What, what, what do they or we have going for us? So many advantages. I mean, I actually think you have many more advantages than startups. You know, the failure rate of startups is so high and they also create legacy pretty fast. Uh, it, it's very interesting to watch that. You've known that in your own acquisitions and your own uh, partnerships. Uh, but they do have one, uh, I think, difference we can learn from and, and that is they realise they're not at the answer. It, it's an incremental process of improvement. Um, so... Big companies have so many advantages. Firstly, lots of customers, uh, millions, and, and startups don't. And so the partnerships we're seeing now between startups and traditional companies are really powerful. Uh, and of course, your data, your talent, um, trust, you know, capital, uh, those are things that are 
any startup would give their IT teeth for, but you're too slow, too complex, too clunky. And so it's that combination of, you know, the, the innovativeness and the real assets you have that make it powerful. And, and we see some companies around the world who try to act like startups, even though they're large. And so they break into smaller pieces and they really try to become more like a startup uh, and learn some of the skills. So we see that mix. But I would argue that the uh, you know companies that are large have so many advantages. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, we don't always realize them. I would say from the inside, it's kind of interesting. You, the grass is always greener, right? You always look at, right. oh, they're so lucky. You know, they have all these things. But when we sometimes, I think we underappreciate our own advantages. Um, hey, um, so there'll be people watching here who are, in various companies and possibly considering your own uh, digital transformations. But for those that are thinking about it, what is the measure of success? How do you, how do you know you're winning? I mean, how do you know you're on the right path or you're actually made, you've made right. progress? Because you can, you, can, you can do lots and lots of work and you can spend lots and lots of money and you can, you can you know, do lots and lots of techie stuff. But how do you sort of get a sense, no, this really is, I've transformed no, I haven't just put some sort of surface onto the company or a shiny new um, uh, face on it. I've actually changed it. How, how would you get a sense of that? It's such a great question. And I'm just going to hold a mirror up back to you and say, if you don't know the answer to that, you haven't done the work of deciding what you're trying to achieve with your transformation. And, and so that's the most difficult part. And, and as you know, I've worked with boards and executive teams on trying to nail that down. You know, what will success look like? Now, of course, it's, it's uh, incremental and uh, we're not exactly sure we're going to do test and learn. I'll give you some metrics that I look for uh, that are pretty common. But I would argue that the most important thing you can do is create a dashboard of a few metrics that you are going for that everybody gets to see in real time on their devices so that they know that they're all shooting for the same thing. So that would be the best advice. Uh, in terms of what I look for coming in from the outside that's common across companies, uh, probably the best measure we have for being a platform-based business is revenue per employee. Because it is the more that goes up, uh, the better you are using your platforms to, uh, to create value. And, so we just did a case study of Ping An, which is a, a you know the Chinese-based uh, company, insurance and financial services. Their revenue per employee has gone up ninety percent in the last three years. So that's a great measure of of success. Uh, revenue from new products and services. Uh, innovation is key to digital and and fresh offers to customers. Sometimes they're you know old wine in new bottles, but uh, it is a, a fresh offer. Um, NPS, uh, it's something you've done for a long time or something similar, net promoter score or similar. The one I look for most recently is cross-selling because we showed statistically that cross-selling is statistically correlated to performance of the future. And it's not the old kind of cross-selling where we're pushing product. It's needs-based, it's easy for the customer and the employee, and it's responsible. You know, in, in the case of financial services, it's responsible lending. But there's a lot of people who really want a go-to destination. Uh, and so therefore they want to be cross-sold things they need internally in your own organization and externally. 
So they're the metrics I look for, but I would argue start with the dashboard of your own. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I, I know speaking to people, one of the risks here is that, you know, it becomes almost fashionable. Well, you, you sort of got to have one. You've got to have a digital uh, strategy because, you know, that's what people do, right? You, you have to be right. transferring something. And the problem with that is I think you missed the point, which is like, it's in my mind anyway, it's just an enabler. I mean, it's the way you achieve the outcomes you want for your business organization. Hey, I want to be able to help people buy and own their own home or start and run a small business. That's our objectives here. The way we do it is being more engaging, more wholesome, more holistic, whatever that might be. And hey, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of digital tools we can do to enable that. But just, you know, you don't, we don't embark on digital transformations for the sake of it. You know, like it's, it has to be business aligned. And I, I do, I have to say my own little um, soapbox, I do worry that, you know, like a lot of these things, it becomes, you know, as I said, everybody has to have one. And you, you start seeing a lot of, you know, investor presentations, everybody's got to have the shiny page about the, the new features that they've launched and they use all the right words. Um, but I think it goes to that real, you know, to your point about the executive buy-in. Is it something we really believe in and we're really clear about what our business purpose is and our objectives? Um, and, I, and what was interesting about your dashboard there, I, which I, you know, obviously I've written down because we've talked about it before, None of that is rocket science. Like that is that is just good old fact. Those, those metrics are not about how many lines of code have you written in so much time or blah, blah, blah. They're just good old fashioned business common sense things, aren't they? And they so that's really important. Yeah. And, and if you wanted to add something that's more ephemeral, and you and I have uh, had a lot of interesting conversations about this, is what would be a cultural change that you could affect during this process of business transformation using digital that would set the company up for being more successful in the future, you know, more responsive, more agile, more collaborative, more blah, 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 blah. I would argue one of the things you could do very powerfully in this process is to say, okay, what's three or four bullets that describe our as-is culture? And what's three or four bullets that describe our to-be yep. culture? And how would you use this process to give you an even longer term advantage? I think that's a great idea, you know, that sort of from two. And I, I agree, having that sort of light on the hill, this is what we're trying to achieve in our business and therefore how are we going to get there? So I know it's, it is fashionable. It is the thing that people are struggling with. I know, you know, we, we, we bank on all sorts of people in all sorts of industries of all sorts of scale. And, you know, it is, it is a common challenge for businesses and it's um, um, and I think it's actually been really inspiring because despite what I said, while it is hard and while you know there's not too many great terrific success stories, there's lots of smaller ones actually where you can point to and see companies have actually made really positive steps on things, you know, in terms of and to your point about deep meaningful transformation as opposed to the sort of shiny glittery stuff. So I think it's good. And I, the other thing that I just my little observation as well, I don't know if you agree, but. The other thing that surprised me about this, and possibly I shouldn't have been surprised, it's really interesting. So while we've all got this same uh, challenge, the level of um, sharing across industries, even within industries, about this is actually really high. Like, you know, I know that we speak to a lot of our customers who are really keen to come in and learn from what we're doing. We're keen, they're, they're very happy to share what they've done. Hey, we did this, it didn't work. We've done this other thing. That sort of um, collegial sort of, 
approach it. So I think it's actually, you know, culturally really interesting as opposed to keeping everything secret. And I, you know, it's some sort of um, tool, a weapon that I have. I found that really encouraging, actually. There's sort of a, a, an esprit de corps, if you will, across industry to, about uh, how to take this on. Is that something you see in your, your, your groups? Yeah, that's the best of digital, you know, working in a collaborative way across industries, sharing uh, and making sure we get our value, but sharing the value. Um, I, I'd leave you with one final thought for the folks yeah. who are listening. Yeah. And that is, I think companies like ANZ have an opportunity to lead the transformation of the whole economy. Uh, and so I would argue that uh, in board discussions of your company and others, uh, the goal is going to be what's our role in transforming the whole economy, not just our industry, because industry barriers are going to slowly fade away as digital is cross industry. And so that we're seeing a lot of opportunities for leadership, as you just described, uh, working with others. And, and I think that's the best of digital. I agree. And without prolonging it, I just want to say I agree. In a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of a sad way, one of the outcomes of COVID. It's really interesting in my mind is this crisis is forcing companies and economies to sort of rethink the future, right? And not to say, how do we go back to the past? But actually, how do, what does that new, and, you know, consumers have suddenly got all these new needs, you know, how do I conduct my life sitting at home? How, you know, move to, I want to do more digital, less cash, all this other stuff. And so the opportunity for transformation of the whole economy and society in a really positive way i think it's really quite exciting and to your point it isn't going to be solved by any one company unlikely it's going to be about you know networks and ecosystems and collaboration and that's i think really exciting but anyway um it's been great talking i know we can talk uh because you and i normally do but uh thanks very much peter i really appreciate your time and there's a lot of really insightful uh, things there for people to give further talk to. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Shane. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes. This podcast was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. Blue Notes is a publication of ANZ Banking Group.